Welcome back to the Beauty Sports Talk Podcast here, episode 3, September 22nd, and NFL Week 2 just finished up. We're going to have our NFL rundown going through all 15 games that happened on Sunday and Monday, talk about the NBA playoffs, talk about the NASCAR night race at Bristol that happened on Saturday, uh, talk about a little bit of college football, talk about Bryson DeChambeau changing the game of golf at the U.S. Open, and uh, that that's going to be today's episode, so let's get straight into it. Now let's get into the NFL Week 2 action. The Falcons at the Cowboys. Cowboys winning 40-39 to after coming back from 29-10 to down, getting the onside kick late on the little side little sides bender, something you don't really see in the onside kicks. Usually you just chip it up and just hope. They kind of spun it on the side. All the Falcons just looked at it, waiting for it to cross the 45, and the Cowboys first to dive on it. Dak, four, Dak going 34 of 47 for 450 yards, one passing touchdown, and three rushing touchdowns, surprisingly. And the Falcons, yikes. How do you lose a game? They had zero turnovers. That's usually how you lose games like this. You turn the ball over like crazy at the end. They had zero turnovers, and they put up 39 points. I saw some stat that, like, every NFL team that's ever done that is, like, 440-0 and or something like that. The Falcons just suck, and I really think it's mostly on Dan Quinn being a terrible coach. We've seen so many situations of him being a terrible late-game late, late game coach in games that they have the lead, obviously the Super Bowl twenty eight to three. This game twenty nine to ten. I don't know what else he's got to do to get fired from Atlanta. Really, it's pretty obvious that he's not a good NFL coach, and I think he's probably on the hot seat for after this year. I could see him easily being fired after this after this season. Now heading up to Lambeau Field, the Packers whooping the Lions forty two to twenty one. Packers going two and zero. Lions going to zero and two here. And Aaron Rodgers' revenge tour continues. He didn't really have a huge game here. Just 18 of 30 for 240 yards and and two touchdowns. But the big game was by Aaron Jones. 236 total yards and three total touchdowns. A huge game for him. And they were just going all over the Lions. And, of course, the Lions had a 14-3 lead in the first quarter. And then just got whooped the rest of the way home. Just not a good look for the Detroit Lions. And Matt Patricia's his hot seat, another head coach, Hot seat getting a little bit warmer out there in Detroit. Now, an- another NFC team, the Bears, able to hold on to beat the Giants 17-13. to Bears moving to 2-0, Giants moved to 0-2. And it was weird how the scoring worked in this game. Bears scored all 17 of their points in the first half. And in the second half, the Giants scored all 13 of their points. Um, Daniel Jones going 25-40 of 40 with 241 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, and he had a strip sack fumble. And obviously the big thing for the Giants was Saquon Barkley tearing his ACL on the sideline, trying to make kind of a jump cut, and he got to the side. And when he was getting tackled by Eddie Jackson, he just knew he was down, and it's just not going to be good for the Giants. And they might become part of the Trevor Lawrence race, honestly. If Daniel Jones doesn't work out, they're not going to win very many ball games this year, especially without Saquon. Their offense is not going to be very good. Their defense already isn't. Uh, Mitch Trubisky going 18 of 28, 190 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and once again, not being able to be consistent over four quarters. This time it was the first half he looked good, second half he looked terrible, and this came down to the very last second again. Bears had to get a stop from about the 10-yard line. There was a flag called in the very last play of the game. Everyone just assumed the defense PI was actually offensive PI. Buster screen just got shoved completely out of the way, and that allowed for the Bears to seal the game. Now heading down to Miami, the Buffalo Bills winning 31-28 over the Dolphins. Bills get to 2-0, Dolphins fall to 0-2, and Josh Allen, 
Another great game, 24 of 35, 417 yards and four touchdowns. He had an insane game here down in Miami. And shout out to him. A lot of people saying he's still not a good quarterback. He is a great quarterback. And obviously, I'm going to compare him to another terrible quarterback here in a couple minutes. And he's been great this year. I don't understand how anybody can say anything bad about him. He honestly could be an early MVP candidate on these guys that runs the ball and throws the ball a bit, you know. Keep his name up there. And I think there's some other guys like uh, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers he's going to have to compete it with. But he definitely could be in consideration. Also, Stephon Diggs going eight eight receptions for 153 yards and a touchdown. That'll be important come later when I talk about the Vikings. And then for the Dolphins, two a time. Is it? I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick played a good game here. He went 31 to 47, 328 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Obviously, they're they're on a short week because they're going to be playing Jacksonville on Thursday night football, so they're not going to start Tua on a short week. But I mean, Justin Herbert had his first start. I'll be talking about that in a little bit. And Joe Burrow has obviously been starting, so why not start Tua? There's no reason not to. I think he'll end up starting at some point this year, but you know, it actually might not be in the too close in the future, pending an injury by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now going to the 49ers and the Jets. Niners winning this game 31-13. And the Jets suck. I don't understand why everybody still... Sam Darnold didn't play the worst game in the world. He went 21-32 of with 179 yards and a touchdown. Okay, all right, whatever. That's not the worst game in the world. I'm not going to criticize him for that. But this is what happened in this game. Here are some of the injuries that either happened heading into the game so they weren't playing or they were injured during the game, pretty much during the first half. George Kittle, D. Ford, Jason Ferret, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Raheem Mostert, and Jimmy Garoppolo. That is pretty much all of their top, what, what would that be, top seven players, arguably, maybe seven of their top ten players. First play of the game was a Mostert 80-yard touchdown on the very first play. That's what the Jets let let happen to them. Just let them just go straight down an 80-yard touchdown. How do you lose by 18 to a team that is playing their B team? They're playing, if the Niners had their full team, okay, whatever. You lost by 18 points. Niners just went to the Super Bowl. They lost last week to the Cardinals. This was a bounce-back game for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were playing their pretty much their entire backup team, and you still got whooped. This game wasn't even as close as it was. 31-13, it was bigger than that. It is just so ridiculous. And the Jets are getting into the T-Law uh, Chase. I think also another team in there is going to be the Giants. Panthers, maybe. I think they're going to be too good of a record to go for Trevor Lawrence, but who knows? You know, and obviously there'll be some other teams in the mix, a lot of teams in the mix, but those are my favorites to get it right now. Now going to Broncos Steelers, another big injury game uh, with Drew Locke hurting his shoulder. His is only two to six weeks. A lot of guys have been getting season ending. He's only two to six weeks. Driscoll came in 18 of 34, 256 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Not too bad. A lot of credit to the Broncos for keeping this game close like they did with the Titans. Uh, but, you know, not enough. Maybe the, maybe it's the coaching. Maybe it's not. Also for the Broncos, Cortland Sutton getting a torn ACL. So that was their big injury. So that'll hurt them a lot especially having a lot of young receivers, even like he's one of the most veteran, one of the big veteran receivers they have, and now he's gone. And uh, Big Ben going 29-41 for 311 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And it's just, you know, watch out for the Steelers here in the AFC. They got a good team. They got a real good team, and I think they'll be able to compete with the Baltimore Ravens. I think they have the defense to do that. They're fast, they're stifling, and they're a very good team. 
<clears throat> now we're going to Vikings and Colts. Colts winning 28-11, to 11 and yikes. Yikes, Kirk Cousins. 11 of 26, 113 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Three interceptions. That's terrible. That is awful. So, this is what I was saying about the Stefan Diggs effect. Stefan Diggs, he had what, eight, I said, eight receptions for 153 yards and a touchdown? Yeah. The top receiver for the Minnesota Vikings had three receptions for 44 yards. That was Justin Jefferson. Three receptions, 44 yards. Stephon Diggs had nearly three times every... He had three times the receiving yards and nearly three times the receptions in that. I know part of this is on Kirk Cousins, but I think having Stephon Diggs out there opens a lot for Adam Thielen and would have been for Justin Jefferson. Kyle Rudolph didn't have a single catch the entire game. So, but I mean, shout out to the Colts. Jonathan Taylor, 26 carries for 100, 101 yards and a touchdown. Philip Rivers, 19 of 25, 214 yards and a touchdown. A pick, and this is what I was saying last week about why they failed to perform well. Phil Rivers had 46 throws and no running back on the team had over 10 carries. This week, Jonathan Taylor had 26 carries. Phil Rivers threw 21 less throws, nearly half as many throws. And it translated to more success because they're a running football team. Just because you have Phil Rivers doesn't mean you have to throw him. Just because you had Phil Rivers out there, the real reason you're paying Phil Rivers is in late game situations and to be a veteran in that locker room. So Colts get to 1-1 one one here. Vikings falling to 0-2. Now going down to Tennessee. Tennessee beating Jacksonville 33-30. Titans get to 2-0. Jags fall to 1-1. And, <clears throat> and the Jags really aren't that bad of a team. And I was saying this before the season. Everyone said they were terrible. I think they should build around Gardner Minshew. And, you know, Gardner Minshew going 30-45 for 339 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Not the best game in the world. But, I mean, he kept them in the game. James Robinson out of the backfield, 16 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. Another nice game for him. But I think the Jags really aren't that bad of a team. I don't think they're going to end up with the first pick. That is my prediction for them. I'm not going to say that they're not going to, you know, only win a couple games. But think about it like this. They play Miami this Thursday. That'll be their second win. And I think they'll get at least, you know, a couple more by the end of the year. And some NFL team, I think, is going to lose two or three games or only win two or three games this year. So I'm going to predict that the Jags don't get the first pick in the draft. At least they don't win the first pick in the draft. I'm not going to say they wouldn't trade for it. But the for the Titans, Tannehill, very Tannehill game, 18 of 24 for 239 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, and big thing with both these Titans games coming down to nail biters against two teams that still aren't very good. The Broncos aren't a great team yet. They're still young. Jags, another team young. And, you know, this is a team that went to the AFC Championship last year. And, you know, they they got a good team. And both these games come down to the wire. Derrick Henry. He had 25 carries for 84 yards, so so far this year he has exactly 200 yards on 56 carries. So, I mean, that's a lot of yards, but to be on, you know, he's averaging four less than four yards a carry, so that actually might, you know, you can get banged up quick. I don't care how big you are. You get that many carries and you take that many hits, he's going to get banged up, and I think teams are going to start to figure out a game plan for him. Now going down to Philly, Rams beating the Eagles 37-19. to Rams going to 2-0, Eagles going to 0-2, and... Yikes, Philly. It's it's hard to believe this team won the Super Bowl, you know, what was it, three years ago? Two years ago? I don't know. But Carson Wentz going 26 of 43 for 242 yards, zero passing touchdowns, two interceptions. He did run for one. And he's just not looking good. A lot of guys in Philly calling for his head, and they want Jalen Hurts to go start. I think that's a little, you got to pump the brakes on that because Jalen Hurts isn't going to be that much better than Carson Wentz. But, 
you know, Chris Wentz does have to play better. Better, There's no doubt about that. But the offensive line has to play better. The defense has to play better. There's a lot of stuff that has to be better in Philadelphia. Jared Goff out, but uh, Jared Goff had a nice game. 20 of 27, 267 yards, three touchdowns, all three passing touchdowns to Tyler Higby. Um, and the Rams look good. They're 2-0 and now. I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. And I think they might, you know, revenge tour season. I'm big on that. Obviously, I was saying that about Aaron Rodgers, saying that about a couple guys. But Rams, you know, everyone's saying that they're not that good last year and this and that. They went 9-7. and seven. So if 9-7 and is a down year, you know, they play a little bit better. You know, they win 11 games, 12 games. They're going to be right in the thick of things in the NFC. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers get their first win of the year over the Carolina Panthers, 31-17. to Tom Brady, 23 of 35 for 217 yards, a touchdown interception. Bridgewater, 33 of 42, 367 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Then Fournette having a nice game, 12 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown. And I think the big thing to look out for here with the Buccaneers is how silent Gronk has been. In the span of two games, he's gotten four receptions for two catches and 11 yards. That is all he's done so far this year. I don't know what it is. If they're saving him for later in the year, they're just trying to use him as a decoy because New England used to do that all the time. They just used to use him as a decoy to open other stuff up. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. It could be an injury thing. Who really knows? Uh, But the big injury thing from this game, Christian McCaffrey, he's going to be out four to six weeks. He had 88 total yards and two touchdowns in the game, but that's going to hurt Carolina. And like I said before, that's going to throw them in the T-Law race. Even though, like, I think Tebow can't be so quick to think that they're going to take him just because it's a Carolina guy. You know, he's from Georgia. It's that whole thing right there. They brought in the college coach. They brought in the college offensive coordinator. They signed Teddy Bridgewater for a reason, and Teddy Bridgewater isn't a bad quarterback unless they're planning on trading him. I really don't think it's, you know, set for certain that if they got that first pick that they would go for Trevor Lawrence because that first pick, if it's a team that already has a quarterback, the trade value for it would be ridiculous because that's how many people in the NFL love Trevor Lawrence. Now going to the Washington football team in Arizona. Arizona winning 30-15. to Dwayne Haskins, 19-33 of for 223 yards, a touchdown, zero picks. Kyler Murray, 26 for 38, 286 yards, touchdown, a pick. Shout out Terry McLaurin for the football team. 7 of 1 for 7 receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. And there's really not a whole lot to say about this game, but the Cardinals, you know, another nice victory here. This is, you know, if you're a bad, if you want to be a good team, you got to beat bad teams. And that's what the Cardinals did here. Washington's not a good team. They beat them. You know, 30 to 15 really wasn't even that close of a game. They pretty much dominated them the whole game. So, Shout out to the Cardinals. Another team to look out for. The NFC West is going to be insanely tough. They have three undefeated teams. Cardinals are 2-0. Seahawks are 2-0. Rams are 2-0. And the Niners are 1-1. And the Niners are still good. They got all these injuries, though. That could come back to bite them. That could, you know, produce the NFC fall off that happens every year. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. Now, Chiefs at Chargers. Chiefs winning on a game-winning 58-yarder, 23-20 in overtime. Very interesting game. The rookie debut of Justin Herbert going 22 of 33 for 311 yards, touchdown interception, and then he also ran for a touchdown. Just an insane story that, you know, Anthony Lynn comes up and tells him seconds before, just kickoff, not before they went out onto the field for warm-ups, not, you know, you know, a couple seconds before the coin toss even, a couple seconds before kickoff. He told him that he was going to be playing quarterback. That is just insane. And to put up those kind of numbers and to, you know, go head-to-head with Patrick Mahomes, the best in the business, 
it's ridiculous. Shout out to him, and I think he's going to have a bright future. They've talked about that. If Tyrod Taylor's healthy, he's going to play, which is kind of mind-blowing to me because, you know, Herbert played really well, and I don't understand how you could take him out, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Patrick Mahomes going 27 of 47, 302 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. I like how I say that. Uh, he's like a really bland stat line for him. Oh, he just threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Like it's just it's just how insane he's become at this point. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey Hill 99 yards, Kelsey 90 yards. Each of them caught a touchdown. And big shout out here to Harrison Butker. So he kicked the game-winning field goal to send it to overtime. Or not the game-winning field goal. He's kicked a field goal to send it to overtime. Then in overtime, he kicked a 53-yarder, made it, but there was a false start on the on the Chiefs. Then he kicks an 58-yarder. Chargers call a timeout to ice him. Third time, kicks a 58-yarder and buries it. That is so insanely difficult to do three times in a row. Especially, I know it's a little bit different probably without fans. With fans, it probably makes it harder to kick, I'm going to assume. I don't know if the stats this year are showing that. Well, actually, last week, a lot of guys missed kicks. But, you know, we'll see how the numbers turn out for the whole season. But, you know, Harrison Bucker has become one of the best in the business. So, shout out to him. Ravens and Texans. Ravens winning 33-16. to And the Texans just aren't good. Just quite simply, besides Deshaun Watson, they're not good. Their defense gets a lot more credit than it deserves because they have big names. Not even big names anymore. Really, J.J. Watt's really the only kind of guy left out there. But um, they're kind of a play. They kind of make big plays, but they don't really just stop you and stifle you is the problem. And the big problem is on the offensive end, they had zero run game. David Johnson, 11 carries for 34 yards. And we all knew David Johnson's not good, but Bill O'Brien still freaking traded DeAndre Hopkins for him for you know and obviously a couple draft picks but not anything you know worthwhile and the Ravens just picking up right where they left off being a dominant team you know next week they play the Chiefs on Monday Night Football that is going to be setting up for the game of the year should be a thriller there and I'm really excited to watch that one but now getting to this week's Sunday Night Football which was also an amazing game the Patriots and the Seahawks. Seahawks winning 35-30 at a goal line stand at the very end. Cam trying to run it in. which he had been doing great the whole night, Cam. Uh, 30 for 44, 397 yards, a touchdown and interception. And then he had 11 carries for 47 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. But just couldn't get in there at the very end. Just a great game overall. Julian Edelman, eight receptions for 179 yards. Ridiculous numbers for him. And Russell Wilson going 21 of 12. 21 of 28 for 288 yards through five touchdowns to five different receivers which is insane with one interception he also ran had five carries for 39 yards but the thing is the Cam Newton and the Patriots are for real and I think a big reason to do this is without fans when there's no fans I think the better coach teams are going to prosper more that's why this week a lot of favorites won this week really the only underdog that won was the Vegas Raiders who will get into a minute here but besides that, all of the favorites really won all week because no fans really balanced. And then, you know, there's some of the teams that got 20% capacity. That doesn't do it. You know, it's not the same as a full crowd. You know, the Patriots went into Seattle going against the entire, you know, filled stadium there that gets rowdy and gets loud. I don't think this game's as close as it is. But being that, Bill Belichick being a great coach, Pete Carroll also being a great coach, keeps them in the game. Now getting to Monday Night Football, opening of Allegiant Stadium, and the Raiders beating the Saints 34-24, to and I'm buying into the, okay, 
well, let me explain. I'm buying into the Vegas Raiders because the Broncos are out and they look good. But these next four games, I can see them losing all four of them and get them going two and four. I don't know how the rest of their schedule plays out, but here's their next four games. They go to New England. They are home for Buffalo. They go to Kansas City. They have a bye week. They're home for Tampa Bay. They'll be lucky to win one of those games. If they win one of those games, I would consider that a win for them. And then they're three and three. And then I'm sure their schedule gets somewhat easier, hopefully. Because, geez, that is just brutal. I mean, they'll have the Falcons in there. Um, they're going to have the Jets and Dolphins in there. So those will be some easy wins they'll pick up. And, you know, the Broncos aren't going to be hard wins. Chargers aren't going to be hard wins. So I think they could win nine or ten games and make the playoffs this season. But the big thing for the Saints here, the Michael Thomas effect. No Michael Thomas. And Emmanuel Sanders had to step up to be the number one role. He had three targets. He had one catch for 18 yards. And that was on, like, the final drive. And they're just around the two-minute just trying to see what they can make happen. Drew Brees going 26 of 38. I mean, it seemed like he didn't even do that well. 312 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Because he did not really play a great game to Drew Brees' standards. But Derek Carr, 28 of 38, 312 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. He played great. A lot of people are now saying he gets the credit. He needs more credit than he deserves, and I fully ride that. I'm buying partially into the, Oakland, the Vegas Raiders. Not over these next four games, but after that, especially if they go 2-2 two and two of those next four games i'm completely buying into them not to maybe win the afc but to definitely be a very good team i also want to shout out that legion stadium is the most raiders thing i've ever seen all black it's got the gigantic torch you can see the vegas strip if even when you're on the field you can't really see it but in the stands you got the big window like you know the rams charger stadium fits the ram more fits the rams because this futuristic stadium like sean McVay, just trying to do something different but the raiders they just went all black i get why they call it the death star it is really you know it encompasses stuff like that (laughs) all right now i'm going to run through all these nba games that happened so let's start with the eastern conference game three of celtics heat the celtics finally able to get a game over the miami heat after their big fight fiasco apparently it came out to help them pretty well the boston celtics starters combined for 100 points in the game in Miami, he just kind of had a rough shooting night, shooting 38% from the field, 27% from three, even though they still put up 106 points, losing 117 to 106. Goran Dragic really had a rough game. He went 2 of 10 from the field, 1 of 5 from three, 10 points, 1 rebound, 5 assists. And if I'm the Heat, I'm not going to panic. You know, he had a rough shooting night. Boston played pretty well. You know, it was not expected that they were going to sweep Boston. They just got to keep their foot down and be able to win game game four coming in here. Now let's look at the Western Conference. Uh, in Game 1, the Lakers and Nuggets. Nuggets just really look tired in this game. I mean, they've played 14 games over these playoffs, and the Lakers have only played 10. Lakers are coming off a lot of days off. The Nuggets really had to grit and grind to even get to this point, so that really kind of hurt them in Game 1. AD having 37-10, and 10, LeBron 15-6-12. and 12. And the early foul trouble in game one really hurt the Nuggets. Jokic, Murray, and Billsap all having three fouls in the first half, requiring them to pull them early. And then coming back, going to game two of that series, the Nuggets looked better, but AD with the game-winning three at the buzzer, yelling Kobe right after he hit it. Pretty iconic moment, honestly, for the Lakers. And it could be one of those moments that just is part of their title run, you know, this whole title run for them being dedicated to Kobe Bryant, and that could be just one of the one of the moments that's going to be part of the scrapbook. Jokic with thirty nine and six, Jamal Murray with twenty five, and Anthony Davis with thirty one and nine, Braun with twenty six and eleven. In this Nuggets Lakers series, I know the Nuggets have come back from three one in their previous two series, but 
this series seems like it's just about over. But it's the NBA playoffs in the bubble, so you never really know. Now going to NASCAR, Kevin Harvick was able to hold off Kyle Busch in the final laps at the Bass Pro Shops Bristol Night Race. In the final race of the round of 16, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Cole Custer, and Matthew Benedetto were eliminated, and everyone else was able to advance to the round of 12. But really the big news coming in over the weekend was that Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin will be starting their own NASCAR race team as they were able to buy Jermaine Racing as they will close, and they, MJ and Hamlin will make the new team signing Bubba Wallace Bubba Wallace obviously in the big news being the big news of being the racer for the team and we'll see how that goes for them next year and Ross Chaston will also be moving to the 42 car replacing Matt Kenseth now in the Stanley Cup final games one and game two happened Dallas beat Tampa Bay four to one in game one game two Tampa Bay won three to two so we got a one one series out there I really can't put any analysis in that I don't know enough about hockey but I just want to insert that in there just for the information to be known now going to college football not really a lot happened over the weekend number seven Notre Dame beat UCF 52 to nothing Oklahoma State got a little scared from Tulsa but was able to beat them 16 to seven Clemson beat the Citadel 49 to nothing Number 14, UCF, beat Georgia Tech, 49-21. And, but the big game of the night was Miami and Louisville. Number 17, Miami was able to beat number 18, Louisville, 41-34. And De'Ara King went 18 of 31, 325 yards and three touchdowns. He's really the guy that is going to be someone to watch here in this college football season. He seems like he is going to be a stud. And now to the U.S. Open. Bryson DeChambeau able to win his first major championship, shooting six under across the four days, a US a four day US open record at Wingfoot, and Matthew Wolf finished at even par. And Bryson DeChambeau for those of you who aren't really big golf fans, Bryson DeChambeau is a guy he has bulked bulked himself up. He is using clubs that are really never before seen that each uh the shaft of each club is the same length, and he is absolutely obliterating the ball. He doesn't really care about hitting fairways, which is U.S. Open is a big deal with how thick the rough is. And people said he couldn't do it, couldn't do it, and now he probably just changed the game because everyone was doubting whether his strategy with the math, the science, whether all of it was going to work. But now that he's done it, there's going to be a lot of guys following in his footsteps. So it's going to be really interesting, not really now because he's going to stick with it, but over the years to come, how many golfers are going to come through into the PGA Tour and be doing what he's doing and changing the way the game's played. Now with a little bit of a week preview, a couple MLB series this week that are going to be deciding some playoff spots and playoff positioning. Uh, the Sox and the Indians playing this week. Sox trying to lock up the division over the Minnesota Twins. The Yankees and the Blue Jays battling for the second spot in the American League, which could really come up to be big because the other team's going to be the seventh seed. The team who gets that is more than likely going to be the five seed. Uh, we got the Brewers and the Reds battling for that second spot on the National League Central. The Braves trying to finish off the NL Central over the Miami Marlins. And then the Oakland A's and the LA Dodgers could be a little bit of a World Series preview. There's a chance for that. Not a guarantee, but both those teams that have clinched their division, but just the A's trying to lock in the top spot in the American League. Dodgers pretty much had the NL on lock, just trying to maybe avoid the Padres, but... We'll see how what happens with that. Also, Tuesday night, Game 3, Lakers-Nuggets happening at 8 p.m. Central Time on TNT. Going to Wednesday, the Celtics and Heat will play Game 4, Heat up 2-1. to They'll be, on 7 th- they'll be at 7.30 Central Time on ESPN. 
Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final Series tied at 1 apiece, 7 p.m. Central Time on NBCSN. Then on Thursday, Lakers-Nuggets Game 4. Now, you don't know what the series is going to be at then, but right now, Lakers up 2-0, 8 p.m. Central Time on TNT. Dolphins-Jaguars. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a very good NFL game, but I love watching Gardner Minshew, so that'll be a fun time. 7.20 p.m. Central Time. And one college game that day, UAB, Southern Alabama. Don't know if anyone's interested. 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. That's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure to check out episode four on Friday. We're just going to feature NFL Week 2 Power Rankings. It's going to be updated on NBA playoffs. going to look at Thursday night football. The MLB playoff picture is really going to start to get set. And much more that's going to happen in the sports world. Make sure to go follow at BD Sports Talk Podcast on Instagram. We're going to have the visual of the NFL Power Rankings. Posting some other stuff here as the playoffs for the MLB get closer, as the NBA gets closer. Make sure to go check out the previous two episodes. And the podcast is going to be available on more and more uh, different platforms. It's available on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, I think there's a couple more things I even haven't heard of that they're putting it up on. But you know, shout out to Anchor. They're the ones uh, spreading this out. They're you know they've been helping me out a lot with this. So that'll do it for today's episode. And uh, thanks for listening.